My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 166 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks! Uh, we're coming off the high of doing our year-end episode with uh, our main man, Shark. Yeah, it's been a little bit, I guess, since that came out. But I yeah, did, but I do, we've been I do doing wanna... a lot of stuff. You traveled. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And I want to point out a lot of that stuff got posted, even especially the stuff on Patreon. While I was on, well, let's not vacation. call it vacation. I, I, it was definitely an obligation. You know what I mean? Obligation, uh, I guess. You, and, you enjoyed yourself. Don't get it twisted. You I, wanted to see your moms. Here's the thing. You don't know. Well, first of all, <laughs> let's not get into that complicated bit of the, tra- <laughs> the trip. But, uh, but uh, people without kids don't understand how any vacation with kids is always a little bit of a mixed bag, but then you add in seeing family and it's like an even more complicated bag. Uh, so I, I don't want to say it was totally vacation. However, while, while there was uh, some sense of it not being a vacation, there were huge highlights. One of which of course was something everyone got to hear, which is us recording in person again for the first time yeah. in like three years and Sharky being a part of that conversation. We got a few different compliments on Sharky and what a great job he did. <laughs> so I really appreciate that. I mean, I know everyone's faking cause they just want to make Sharky feel good, but I still appreciate <laughs> the effort. You know, Andrew was like, yo, you guys got to start uh, recording with zoom on. Cause it's way more engaging when you can see each other. That was one of the feedback that really? I got from Andrew. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's a thing worth considering cause I don't know if you know, Liam, but Andrew is one of the smartest people I know and is kind of smarter than me in all aspects of life. So, you know, I listen when Andrew talks is all I'm saying. I mean, straight up, I'm not against it. My own, The only reason we didn't end up doing it for a while is because I felt like I didn't trust my computer to record good with it on. Yeah. And so... Um, to record this, well, but go on. I don't trust my computer to record good <laughs> when it's on. Yo, when I choose to say dumb shit, just let me say it. All right. I'm just saying dumb shit. I'm allowed to say dumb shit sometimes. Um, so I'm always worried sometimes. that I'm always worried that something is going to malfunction when I'm. Yeah. When I have no, no, that's I mean, technical However, reasons are a very real concern for this show. But but 100 percent, we could do it, like have it on while we're recording. And then if it seems like there is an issue. We can turn it off and, you know what I mean? Like yeah. ed- editing exists. So if we start up and then it seems like we're, we're having issues, like it's cutting out or some shit, we can always, you know, turn it off and keep going. Cause that's possible. So Andrew, I accept your challenge, you motherfucker. <laughs> and uh, we will do it. We will do that. This but way I can see Liam talking on his phone to other people while he's supposed to be recording with me. That's true. Although I, I get, <laughs> I don't talk on my phone to other people, you crazy person. Yeah, you do. It's all good, Liam. I accept it. I definitely don't do that. And I hate that you say that. Um, this is like this is like when uh, the other day we were, I was playing just yesterday. Actually, I was playing Connect Four with Maeve and I was getting texts. We're dropping today. So I don't know when you're hearing this, but we record this on uh, Monday, January 30th. And so we're dropping a new rough cut thing today. So I was getting texts from Justin about that. And I was getting texts from Chris Reject with suggestions on boxes and stuff and because there's a mug and a shirt and coffee and all this stuff. Right. So I was getting texts. So I was trying to play connect for with Maeve while like paying attention to these texts. And Maeve goes, Dado, can you play one game where you try not to look at your phone? <laughs> and I was like, Holy shit. I am that. All I heard in my head was the, what, what is the, uh, what is the song about that? Da- Daddy. What's the, what's the, I don't know who did it originally. Is that cat Stevens with the song? 
Oh, the Cats, Cats in, in the, the Cradle, cradle song. Ah, the, uh, the Joe Public song. Uh, ugly, uh, ugly Kid, Kid Joe. Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Ugly Kid Joseph, because we don't know him like that. But still, that's pretty good. No, it was funny, because like, so I got included in the text thread with Chris Reject about the boxes for the rough cut uh-huh, drop. Uh-huh. And uh, pro tip, if you ever wanted to go to a Target unmolested, go during an Eagles championship game for the NFC East, and uh, no one will be there. Yeah, that's what we did. And then I looked at my phone. There are 58 text messages that I didn't read from you guys talking boxes. I mean, the original text was just Chris harassing us <laughs> to have him on, which we will. I know there are a few people who actually care about this sort of thing. We are going to have Chris reject on as soon as we can. But our schedule got pushed back. So we had originally told him to prepare for like sometime around now. And uh, we're not ready yet because we have other <laughs> guests that we scheduled who also got delayed. And so Chris was texting to harass. And so what I did, Josh, was a brilliant redirect. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was it was like the prestidigitation of text world. I mm-hmm, loved it. Mm-hmm. It was great because I had to read it like a novel because it was like a thousand text uh, messages. To be fair, if you had read it, you would have seen me say to Chris, you should text me separately. So we stop annoying Josh because <laughs> you hadn't replied. So I thought he must be busy. Because I, at any minute, I expected you to come on and redirect the conversation back to the original topic of having Chris on the show. But Chris ignored my text and just kept going anyway, and then texted you separately, yeah, which he, he showed did. me a screenshot of to say, <laughs> why are you ignoring Liam? <laughs> which I just thought, I was like, you're the worst person that I know in the world, Chris. All I'm saying is, I was at Target during the, the Eagles game yesterday, and uh, it was a ghost town. It was perfect. I was like singing in the aisles. And and we bought an air fryer. Oh, I, I, well, I know a lot of people who don't like them, but I support that. I think air fryers are cool. Um, yeah, I, I only knew about the Eagles game when I literally opened up Instagram after I had made dinner. I'd done all my evening stuff. And the first video I saw on Instagram was a video of people falling through one of those bus. You know, how people <laughs> climb on the bus things and they inevitably fall through because they're not strong enough to hold the weight of six people, you know? Right, so right, right. That's how I knew the Eagles won. As I opened up Instagram and went, oh, people falling through a bus thing. Eagles must have won. <laughs> uh, Friend of the show, Jess Vadino, had a t shirt that said, win or lose, we riot. And uh, yeah, that's 100% what happens. Here's, so. my, here's my deal. I, I'm stealing this from someone on Twitter. So I want to acknowledge that so people don't think I'm that funny. But I did say it. I did repeat this joke, which is like, look, you're out there, you're on Broad Street. You're causing trouble. You're breaking bottles. You're smashing bus stands. For the most part, you're just climbing poles. Like it wasn't that crazy, but there's a little bit of craziness. Union League's right there. No one can like take a shit on the Union League or at least throw (laughs) a bottle at the Union. Like every year, the Union League goes unmolested. And I'm like, here's a fucking pox, not just on our city, but on the whole nation. And everyone's like, leave that building alone. It's old. Yeah. It's old and filled with monsters. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> burn that shit down. But like, no, no, whatever. They're too busy eating horse poop or something. I don't know what happens. Yeah, they, it's a lot that happens. That's why we're not sports fans over here. I mean, it's again, Cinepunk's I, HQ. I, I, I don't judge the folks. They want to be idiots in the streets. Good for them. If that's how you vibe. I love it. <laughs> we have friends who are there. That's great. No judgment from me. It's just not for me. You know, I really don't think I'm in the mood for smashing things unless it's out of anger. The celebratory smash has just never been my vibe. (laughs) If we're going to, if we're all angry about something and we're trying to like really upset people, yo, I could maybe get out there and and break a couple things. That sounds like a good time. (laughs) But for me to be like, yeah, I'm so excited. I have to shit right now in the street. I just don't understand that. Like, it's just not for me, you know? 
Yeah. Oh, I, I wanted know. to mention, we, we went on a bunch of different paths, but I wanted to mention before we started thanking people, which we do have to do, uh, it wasn't just you and Sharky. I got to see a lot of cool people. Uh, and I just want to say thank you a lot. Not all of them listened, but a lot of them are people who listen to the show. So thank you to everybody who made time for me and Suze. And in some cases, me and Susan Maeve. And uh, it was just nice. It was nice to see people. It was nice to hang out. Again, it wasn't like a full vacation. It was a bit tiring as well. But having so many people I care about be available, which is really nice. I didn't get to see everybody because we just didn't make plans like that. We just saw a few people here and there for like dinner and stuff. But uh, it was still it was still like I came back really appreciating Philadelphia and really appreciating the people there that I love. And so that was nice. No disrespect to our friends in the Chicago area, but that was pretty great to see folks. So uh, specifically, I also want to mention uh, I had dinner with Sam and Charles from Twitch of the Death Nerve. They bought me Pizzeria Badia, so I can't argue with that, right? I still haven't had it. Bro, it was so good. The special pizza was this thing that sounded terrible to me. It was like uh, fucking goat cheese and Brussels sprouts with hot chili oil. And and they ordered it, and I was like, I'll eat it, but come on. It's the best pizza I've ever had in my life. I could not. I was eating it going, what fucking magic is this? Like, what level level spell slot allowed you to make this fucking pizza? This shit's unbelievable i it, it blew me away and then we also just had a pepperoni that was also good uh and they had a bunch of appetizers that are really nice it's a cool place it's not cheap so i get if people don't want to go but again it, i was you know they paid for me so that's that's why i got to have it and i was very appreciative uh and then i also wanted to mention our friend dana just because it was great to see her but also she's one of our oldest supporters consistent supporters gives us regular feedback not just on this show but on lunch with liam and so i just wanted to mention her because dana's the best and i think she's really great and i know that uh she probably won't listen to the rest of this episode uh after whacking on track because uh this is a special episode josh this is a very special unique cinepokes episode on this episode after we do our intro stuff and me and you hang out and be our Mm -hmm. uplifting charming selves we're going to transition to something that doesn't feature you. And I want to apologize to everyone for that because <laughs> you are the special sauce that makes this whole shit pile worth eating. That's how I feel about cinema. <laughs> I disagree categorically, but I appreciate the compliment. Thank you, Liam. But you did a good job on the little special bit at the end of this episode or at the second half of this episode. Yeah. Well, so basically, we had the opportunity to talk to Josh Rubin, actor, director. A uh, guy I know from Dropout, uh, which is like so unf- he's done so many more things than that. But that was the first place I recognized him is for being on Dropout, which is we'll just about. so cool that like yeah. Dropout is such a cool thing. I definitely can't say enough thank yous to you for um, telling me about it and directing me to subscribe to Dropout. And I did for the year and I've been watching it pretty regularly ever since. I got to say it's it's I know. And it's so funny because I, I think you were a little skeptical at first. When I first got on there, I was like. Okay, there's one or two things on here I kind of like, but I don't know. But once I really like dove into it, I was like, shit, there's so much on here that I think is so funny. So uh, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I just want to let you guys know, I interviewed Josh Rubin. It was supposed to be originally a regular episode, but we had to reschedule. And Josh didn't have the time, Josh Rubin, that is, to do a full episode the way that we would do with guests usually. So it's it's more of an interview context. So, you know, that we're not going to be doing a lot of those. Uh, I don't, you know, for some people, they'd be excited by that. But I know there are other listeners who don't love interviews for for our show though if you disrespect the ldp interview then i have you know i have no love yeah, for that then you clearly haven't listened to it because it's a thing of beauty yeah he's the best but um 
it's not something we're going to do a lot, but Josh was a great person to have a conversation with. He was really cool and we really appreciate his work. So when we had the opportunity to talk to him, it was worth taking up. So we'll, we'll get into a little bit more about that in a little bit. We should get our thank yous out of the way. Yeah, let's do that. First up, thanks to our supporters on Patreon. People on Patreon, you already got access to this interview. So let me tell y'all, if you just (laughs) wanted to hear the interview and you wanted to hear it as quickly as possible, we put that stuff up on uh, Patreon in like a week when it was done. It was up on Patreon. So uh, head over to Patreon. If you are a patron and you haven't checked out some of the stuff we put up lately, check it out. If you are interested in t-shirts, we still have a ton of really cool t-shirts that I'd love to send to patrons. Um, So hit us up on there. If you haven't uh, supported us on Patreon, check it out. There might be a level. There's levels that go as low as $1 a month. Uh, They go up higher, obviously, because we'd love to have more support. But uh, if you, uh, 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 I don't know what I'd say, pledge for $1 a month, uh, after a few months, I'm not going to send you a t-shirt for a dollar, but if you do it for a few months, then I'll send you a t-shirt and you get a free Cinepunk shirt. So I think that's pretty cool. It's not free, obviously, but you know what I mean? You get a gift. Yeah. We also used to have, I was talking about this Patreon levels with one of my new coworkers the other day. And I was saying there was one that we were talking about where if you were at a certain level, we would go to your show of choice in Philadelphia and stand on either side of you in silence, wearing suits and sunglasses while you enjoyed the show. Like we were your security guards. We had a bunch of uh, that one's so good though. We that had one's a, so good. Here's the deal: we had a bunch of stunt benefits because we didn't want to buy a bunch of crap and send it out, <laughs> and we knew that it was going to be difficult for us to put up a bunch of extra content. So we're like, "Oh, we'll do these stunt things," and um, literally no one ever took us up on any of the stunt. They're things so ever. good. They're so funny. There was there was uh. one there was one where Justin Lore would on Instagram shirtless write a song about you and sing it. <laughs> If you if you if you made that year the level you wanted, no one ever took him up on that. Come on, I mean, oh man, it makes me want to become a patron just so I could do that. It's so good. Well, we've taken off all the stunt stuff, but there is still a yeah. lot of good stuff in there. And one of the things I think that we have done for a few patrons now is if you support us on Patreon at a certain level for a certain amount of time, then you get to pick something for us to cover. Uh, and the yeah. times we've done that, it's been really good. It's actually it's been, been really super fun, yeah, beneficial for us as hosts. So I mean, that's how we did the Neptune Frost episode. One hundred percent. I think that so was Josh good. Spadinga. I think actually says so thanks, Josh. Um, yeah. So uh, hit us up on Patreon. We'd love that. Uh, we've been talking shit about him, but we also want to thank uh, Chris Rejek and LVAC. Uh, Josh, uh, uh, why should people check out Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations? Because they rule and they are the premier printer in the Lehigh Valley and the world for all of your printable needs. We're talking T-shirts, people. We're talking screen printed uh, tight whites. We're talking, um, you know, uh, group uh, identifiers such as hats. There's an embroider machine in there. They can get whatever merch you need for whatever project you're working on to you in a timely manner that's cost effective and high quality. So support Chris, support the staff at uh, LVAC at the Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, xlvacx.com. Tell them Cinepunk sent you, and uh, you will very likely get a side-eye glance, at least. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend anyone be friends with Chris Rejack, but you should definitely... Uh, support his business. Um, we also want to thank an actual friend. I'm kidding, Chris. I love you. I'm sorry. We, we do want to support an also friend, uh, Aaron Dahlbeck over at uh, EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. I can say it because it'll be up before uh, the uh, episode the, posts. The episode posts. We have a release uh, with 
Essex over at Rough Cut where you can get a shirt for a little Michael Mann film. Uh, you know, I, I I won't say what movie it is. Yes, I will. It's Heat. I, oh, I, it's such a good movie, too. We, we, oh, we, my we, God. We, tr- we try not to say what it is on the site because we're not trying to get dinged. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So the, the release is called uh, Buy a Cup of Coffee, you know, but uh, but it's it's <laughs> it's for Heat. And we have um, a shirt, a mug, and a special uh, specialty Blend. coffee uh, released by Aaron. Uh, it's a it's a it's a uh, Mexican medium roast. It's very good. I love it. Uh, so check it out. Um, I think we're we're offering a little bit of a, a, a cheaper price for the coffee too. So um, if you get it with a shirt or with a mug or whatever, so head on over to roughcupfanclub.com. That coffee will eventually be available from Essex too. If you don't want to support Rough Cut for some reason and you just want to support Essex, you can actually get that blend from him in a little bit. But right now. It's only available from us and it's only available with a shirt or a mug or all three. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And if you just want the shirt, you're a crazy person because the coffee is really good. But assuming that is a thing, we'll have the shirt up eventually too. Right now, though, it's just, it's all, it's all in a bundle right now. So, uh, check it out, uh, roughcutfanclub.com. Uh, and Essex, you know, you know what it is. Aaron offers high quality coffee, it's roasted to order. Uh, if you have questions about his coffee or his tea or his merch, hit him up. Great guy to talk to. Uh, he can help you learn about where the coffee comes from, why he roasts it the way he does, and how he thinks you should prepare it at home to get the best possible cup. Uh, and then lastly, we want to thank former guest, hopefully soon to be future guest too, because it was great having him on, our buddy Sharky over at MechanicalSharkMedia.com. Hell yeah. If you need any type of video stuff done, sound editing, Our man Sharky is the total package and he will do for you what he does for our entire network, which is make you sound awesome, make you sound professional and make you sound good. What Sharky wants is for you to bring him your idea that involves media of some kind. And if he's stoked on it and you're stoked on it, hopefully you'll make something awesome. What does that mean? He's got a bunch of different skills. We don't want to list them all. It just sounds crazy. But just check him out. Um, he's done a lot of great work. And if you go to mechanicalsharpmedia.com, you can check out some of the stuff he's done in the past to give you an idea of what he's capable of. So mechanicalsharpmedia.com. Thank you, Sharky. You're the best. We love you. We love you. We love you. Uh, now it's time for us to do our regular feature. It's a feature that we've done 165 times before now. Right, right, right. And We it's, do it um, all the time. It doesn't have its own T-shirt. I really think we should no, address it. No, probably that. should. And the show yeah. would say, whacking on track. Oh, damn. Sick merch idea. Reject, get on it. All right. Whacking on track. Liam, what have you done recently that has been whack? And what have you done recently that's on track? And I, you, I know that we talked about your vacay. Your, uh, we did. Yeah, Especially yeah, yeah, on yeah, Lunch yeah. with Liam. We went into details on Lunch with Liam. We did. We did. What else? Have, have you seen anything lately that you've been into? Have you been watching something or listening to anything that you're super hyped on? So, uh, yeah, let me mention a couple of things. One of which is um, uh, in preparation for an upcoming episode, me and Susan started watching Andor. Now, we don't, we're not going to talk about Andor on a future episode. It's just related to something we're going to be talking about. And I, I didn't think we'd get it done before we recorded the episode, but I just thought, well, I'm going to want to watch this Andor thing at some point. Let's start watching it. Susan's in, into checking it out. Um, I've really been enjoying it, and we've been enjoying it so much. I might have the whole series finished by the time we record the next episode, wow, which, no which shit. was not the plan at all. It's just 
honestly, we haven't been able to watch a lot of other things mm. because we've been so pulled into Andor, so sucked in uh, to Andor. That's that good, huh? I just want to keep... I really like it. I mean, uh, let's let's put it out there. I'm kind of a medium Star Wars person. I think when these reboot Johns started coming out, we were pretty stoked just because they were so much higher quality than the prequels that mm-hmm. we just couldn't believe that there was new Star Wars that wasn't total dog that shit. That didn't suck, yeah. Yeah, but now, after three movies, while I do think all of them are still pretty okay, they haven't like reignited a deep love for me of Star mm-hmm. Wars shit. In fact, the closest we've gotten, really, to me really caring about Star Wars is The Mandalorian, and even that, like, it's good. But I'm not, it doesn't make me want to get a fucking rebel tattoo or some shit. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's just like, oh yeah, Star Wars. It's it's still pretty cool. It's still uh, fun. Yeah. The, the thing I've been most excited about that Star Wars related, we've mentioned on here, is uh, that the Vision series, that was all the different anime studios doing their own Star Wars stories. Yeah. Uh, I like that because it had nothing to do with the main story. Like there, there was space. no Skywalkers, huh? Yeah, there was space. There was Jedi in some stories, some not. There was, you know, a little. There, there was all the elements that seem similar to Star Wars, but there was no main Star Wars narrative, and I liked that. Something about that was very appealing to me, uh, which maybe was a uh, a sign that I'd like Andor. But you know, I heard such mixed things about the Obi Wan series. Some people mm. I know really liked it. Some people I knew thought it was the worst thing ever. So I just was really torn as to whether I was going to be stoked on Andor or not. Uh, I got to say, I'm really liking it so far. Um, uh, I haven't seen a lot of pushback on it, so maybe that's not a, a unique opinion to have. But uh, for me, it's pretty strong. Um, I don't know if it's so strong that now I need another Star Wars movie necessarily. Mm. Yeah. But just as a property in and of itself, it's cool. I like that it's more politics. I like that there's like, it's not really focused on Jedi or any shit like that right now, at least. Mm. Um, it's really just about the beginnings of the rebellion. And that at that level, I really like it. And I think as an examination of an empire, right? Like what makes this mm. political organization function how does it use power? Uh, there's a lot there to really uh, to chew Take your on. teeth into. Yeah. yeah, but it's also like fun. Like it's it's not even though there is uh, context there, it's still also like I don't want to say action packed because there is emotion there too. But mm. yeah, a lot of episodes are pretty exciting. Uh, I think the pacing might be hard for some people. If you're someone who wants an episode of television to be a single thing, where like there's an overarching narrative, but each episode is one story. This shit is, uh, I mean, you could really look at the first six episodes as one story that wraps up on episode six. And then the next six episodes are a different story. Although I'm only up to episode eight. Right. But wow. But you know what I mean? So like, if you're someone who, I mean, I just know there are people who that's how they like their television. I'm okay with an overarching story, but each episode should be a single story in and of itself. This shit is uninterested in that. It's like, Yep. All right. We'll just stop here. And uh, next week you'll get more of this same story. You better be all bored for that because that's what that's what it is, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I've really liked it. I've also been enjoying and this is, again, not a unique opinion. I've really been enjoying The Last of Us, the uh, HBO oh, yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Video game. It's been great. I really liked last night's episode with Nick. Offerman. I haven't seen it yet. I have not seen it yet, but I'm I caught up on the first two episodes. It's very I mean, the show is very good. I'm very much enjoying it. Um, Did you play the game? Uh, no, I don't know anything about the game. I'm kind of glad about that. I mean, I don't think knowing about the game ruins the show for you, but I do think that um, people who've played the game might be less surprised or might have expectations. I want them to do it this way instead of that way. 
I'm totally new to the whole thing. I have no opinions on any of it. So it's kind of hitting me fresh. And I'll be honest, I was a little skeptical because I kind of thought post-apocalyptic quote-unquote zombie movie, although these are very different than zombies, but in theory, quote-unquote zombie movie, or TV show rather, what's it going to do that The Walking Dead didn't already do, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's already, in my mind at least, so different than The Walking Dead. There's clearly resonances. They, they, There are things that can be seen as similar, but it's the vibe and the narrative is so different at this point that I just am like kind of surprised that there are still folks who are making that comparison. They seem, other than the fact that there is a creature that feels similar to a zombie, there's not a lot between them thematically or even character wise. So I like that. I was worried it was going to feel like retread ground and it doesn't feel that way at all. So mm. I really like it. I think it's, I think it's cool. Uh, granted it's three episodes in. So who knows? We've got a whole season for them to shit the bed, but as of right now, I'm very much into it. It's it's, I feel like they're really killing it. Yeah. 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 First two episodes. I'm all the way in. So yeah. Yeah. Ready uh, for the third one. I also recently, so we were, uh, when we were on vacation a couple times, we were in the hotel room. Just watch a TV, right? It's like before bed, you just put the TV on because you don't have anything else available to you. And one of these movie stations was showing the John Wick movies in a row. Uh, and Suze revealed that she had never seen past the first John Wick. So we made a special effort when we got home to to watch two and three. Her for the first time, me rewatch. And I got to say, like, I kind of left uh, both those movies as like, they're fun, but I don't know how much longer I can really care about this whole John Wick thing. But rewatching them, they're still fun. Like, I guess what I thought when I saw them the first time was that was a lot of fun, but I bet you I'm not going to have more fun with these. Like, like, I think we've run out of fun. And I was so pleasantly surprised to find them still fun. Like, I really yeah. thought, like, they're one-time watches, then you're fucking done with it. And that's not the case. At least right now, it's not the case. And there were parts of three that I had straight up forgotten. That I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, that's Dude, so cool. So many parts in three that are so awesome. Yeah. I think three is, not that two isn't good, but I think three, the choreography is at such a high level that you yeah. could watch it multiple times and still catch things that you're like, oh, shit, I didn't see that before. You know, yeah. which it I think maybe is a little overwhelming for some people that it's like there's too much going on. But mm. for me, I thought it was great. And she's had a great time with it. So now we're both really excited for the fourth one because rewatching them got, got us really stoked. That like really <laughs> I'm so pumped on that fourth one. Uh -huh. um, on Lunch with Liam, I mentioned this. I just want to briefly mention on here. I really liked Women Talking, which we saw while we were on vacation. I thought that was really good. It probably would have been on my end of year list if I had managed to catch it. Um, and I don't think there's any other newer, uh, you know, this thing happens where we did our end of year episode. I still have a playlist with a bunch a playlist on Plex with a bunch of movies from last year that I haven't had a chance to watch yet that in theory I'm going to watch. But once we do the end of year episode, it, it there's like less pressure. Yeah. You're like, all right. Them. And that's that. Yeah. So <laughs> I will watch them and I will comment them on them on this show. But, um, the uh, I knew that Sam and Charles for the next Twitch of the Death Nerve were doing Polish. They did two Polish horror movies. Uh, one of which is that uh, I forget what the word is in Polish, but it's She Wolf in, in English. It's on the um, folk horror box set, so people probably have heard of it. Uh, and then they were doing a, a Zawalski movie called The Devil, which I've been meaning to watch for a long time. I actually had it added to our server a long time ago and I never watched it. And so knowing that they were going to talk about it, I made a special effort to watch that movie. Um, and I will say that like, 
I wanted to watch the movie before they did the episode. I kind of wish I had listened to the episode first only because I think that movie opens up a lot when you have more of an idea of the political context. Because what Jawaski's doing, which I think we have talked about him uh, doing in other places too, but mm-hmm. what he's doing here that other Polish filmmakers did is using a specific historical context to then talk about his contemporary historical context. And so then listening to the episode that Sam and Charles did, which isn't out yet. It's on Sam's Patreon, but it should be coming out uh, probably before this one comes out. So it should be out by now Um, is filling in both the historical context of the movie, but then also the historical context in which the movie was made. And that makes the movie way more interesting for me. It's still really good. It's still very much like a haunting kind of nightmare folk horror movie, but like I didn't realize how many layers were at play because I was a little ignorant of Polish history basically. <laughs> uh and so like which the audience was I mean when this movie came out it was fucking considered deeply scandalous by the community it came out in. I just didn't get all the references and stuff. So, uh it was if you have time to listen to the episode before you watch this movie, I think it's worth it if you haven't seen it, you know, but it's called The Devil. It's very good and it kind of is reignites reigniting my desire. I've seen um Possession, obviously. Mm. Uh I've seen On the Silver Globe, uh though not a great copy. I think there's a better version. There's a better now. version out now that's like a remaster. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I've seen now The Devil. That's it. And it's not like he made a ton of movies, but he made a number of other movies that I need to see now. So yeah. I think I'm going to go back on my Zwaski. I don't, I don't know how to say it. You know, our friend Joseph Gervaisi tried to tell us how to say it. And now I don't <laughs> fucking remember how to say it right. But uh, I, I need to go back on that mission and get back into his movies because uh, the man's great. And I still love <laughs> a lot of people have been talking about possession lately, too. Like I've seen a lot of possession discourse on Twitter, I think because it's now on shutter, you know, mm. if you like possession, find his other movies, at least the ones that I've seen, but I bet they're all great because uh, that's the mission I'm on as well. So well, that's all I got. What's up with you, man? Whacking on track. I know you've played a bunch of shows and shit. Yeah. You probably got I, a lot of stuff to share. Plus uh, you got this thing coming up. That sounds kind of cool, right? Do. So the thing coming up is called the Stingus home festival. It is in Maniunk at venice island which is oddly enough not the first time i'll be playing there because um there was a time when one of my bands had a member that worked in parks and rec in philly and had access to the performing arts center it's a 250 seat theater and we played to practice in there it was kojiyama pretty damn funny but um yeah it's uh dave hawes has put together a two-day festival in maniunk on may 5th and 6th that is celebrating um just being from this region and it's called the Sing Us Home Festival. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, if you want to see Hawes and the Mermaid, this is going to be your only opportunity on the East Coast to, to do it. So um, he's trying to do it multiple years. And he very graciously asked Cross Keys to be on the bill. Um, we are not like any of the other bands on the bill. <laughs> it's a little different. We're playing with Cat Bite, though. So, I mean, we played with uh, Tim Hildebrand, who plays guitar in that band also, and his other band, the Up, Up, Ups. But, um, the headliner is the drive-by truckers, and then it's Hawes and the Mermaid, and his brother Tim Hawes is playing a set. There's going to be a, uh, a Hawes family acoustic jam featuring uh, Craig Finn of The Hold Steady playing uh, solo with an acoustic guitar, and him and Tim, and uh, it's, it's just a lot. There's going to be tattooing booths and food trucks. It's a festival, goddamn, and this is the first festival that Cross Keys is playing, and um, I'm not going to lie to you, Liam. It feels like a lot. It feels like a lot. The pre-sale sold out. Like, wait, what? And like, so it's just, 
I mean, not that I'm intimidated because, you know, I was born for this shit, Liam. You know what I'm saying? Natural performer. But um, that's just, it just seems like we're playing a basement next, this coming Friday. So, you know, <laughs> in the same year to play a festival like that and a, and a house show feels like a, there's, a, there's a disconnect there. There's a, a, a little cognitive dissonance going on. But fuck I don't it, man. know. I don't think I'm that's, I, I, I don't think it's dissonance. I think it makes sense. So if, if you had to guess, how many people total do you think are going to be at this thing watching your band? Uh, I'm, I mean, like, I don't know if it's going to be indoors or outdoors. I know the indoor seats, 250 people, which doesn't sound like a lot when I say it like that. But again, for it's, you don't do it in May for it to be indoors and you don't yeah, sell that. I'm pretty sure it's an outdoor, it's going to be our outdoor. Well, I mean, we played outdoors before, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of people. I, I'm imagining I'm going to look out and see a lot of people looking back at me. Just got to do it, man. Got to yeah, get hyped. Man. I mean that's happening, and then I'm I'm playing the Gorilla Biscuit show on February 26th with my other band, Hard Turf, and it's our first like show that's not in a practice space, and uh, that's a little intimidating too. I'm not gonna lie to you, man, but you know it's cool. We're playing Kill Your Idols <laughs> and Gorilla Biscuits. Sure, why not? Um, so that is all on track. I mean, the main thing is that we got our record to be able to be coming out. Which uh, listeners of the show know, I've been having a couple trials <laughs> trying to get that to see actual fruition. But here we are, and we've managed to persevere. And it looks like May fifth will be the actual record drop for the new Cross Keys record entitled "Cross Keys Believes in You." And um, I think it's my strongest effort to date, just as a lyricist and as a singer, but uh, as a unit, as a band. I think it is uh, something that we can be very proud of, and uh, something that I can't wait to introduce to the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so all that stuff is way on track, like totally psyched. Uh, a couple of other on track things. Number one, I watched kids versus aliens. I'm not sure if we had a chance to talk oh, about it before. Oh, I forgot about that. I watched it yeah. too. It's super fun. Did you enjoy it? Big shout out to Josh Goldblum, our friend yeah. who was, uh, you know, directly connected to making this thing. One of the producers of it. Uh, I'll tell you what, I have one criticism. You ready for it? Hit me. You know, I don't like aliens like this. Like the aliens who are like, we traveled millions of light years to get here. Once we're here, we can barely walk around. Yeah. We've barely got our shit clothes. together. And we don't yeah, wear yeah, clothes yeah. and we don't have laser guns. All that is like not my favorite. That yeah. being said. This movie uh, is a ton of fun despite It's all so that. much fucking fun. It doesn't matter. Well, it sort of made me realize I don't care that they're aliens. They could be anything. Yeah. The kids are fighting weird things that live in a cave under the water. With swords and shit. Oh, and, and the thing is, they might be not um, extraterrestrials. They might be like, uh, what's the term when you're you're not uh, you're you're from another dimension? There's a term. Right. I, Justin Lore is yelling at his fucking. If he's listening <laughs> to this, he's because he says it to me all the time that they're. It's not crypto terrestrials. It's there's a uh, whole term for there's an idea that maybe. Uh, what we call aliens are actually beings from another dimension or whatever, whatever. So right. if you're from another dimension, you could not necessarily be just a more advanced version of humanoid. Right. You know what right, I mean? Right, so like right, right. aliens that are completely alien, like their goo or their tentacles or whatever, yeah. that makes sense to me because they're totally different. But when you're humanoid, but you're just running around like a weirdo, it's weird unless they're coming here, not from through a spaceship, but through like a portal into another dimension, which sounds like just another version of weirdo shit. But that's a real theory that people actually have. It's not like coming from nowhere. And in that case, you wouldn't have to be like 
space nerds. No, you could yeah, be you could anything. be humanoid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it is weird to me when, like, the space nerds are tentacled and furry, and then they have these sophisticated, like, flight machines with buttons on them. It's like, why wouldn't be catered to the tentacle experience? I don't know. It seems weird. But well, that's You know, just- that's not a bad, that's actually not a bad point. But, yes, that, that, well, and also, like, you could just be, like, think about Nope, right? Like, uh-huh. it's just a predator from space. That shit's sick. Like, I love yeah, that. that. I love that, awesome. that yeah. idea. All about that. Yeah. Fuck yeah. But uh, Kids vs. Aliens, Josh told me to watch it at Film Fest, uh, but because um, Melani and I ran into him directly after seeing 32 Sounds, and I was like completely blown away. I was like, dude, you should come see Kids vs. Aliens. It's going to be at the Film Fest. And I was just like, Josh Goldblum, I love you, and I love the sound of your voice, because I just watched a movie called 32 Sounds, and it's amazing. But um, I didn't see it. And having finally seen it now, I am 100% on board, and and perpetually kept in awe of the capacities that is Josh Goldblum. That guy is the coolest fucker out. And um, I'll defend that man to the end. That dude rules. He's the best. He, he really is one of my favorite people in the world. I yeah. just love him so dude, much. Dude, he's why I got a picture with Danzig. Just saying. So cool. Anyway. Um, yeah, Kids vs. Aliens. Pretty dope. I also want to big up this band called Fake Names that Crosskeys uh, are potentially going to be playing with in April. I, I I was telling you about it earlier, Liam. Have you heard it? No, you haven't heard it. I have right? not heard it yet. No, it's basically like sixties garage pop fed through a nineties <sighs> pop punkizer. It's a all star band. It's we've got Brian Baker on guitars, Dennis Lixon from Refused on vocals, and um, the guy from Embrace I think is playing bass, and Brendan Conti from Fugazi is playing drums, and the other dude, one of the twins that's in Girls Against Boys and in Soulside is playing the other guitar, and it sounds fucking awesome. Imagine that pedigree of band just doing, like, rock and sing-along jams. It's super fun, and I've been listening to it pretty much nonstop since I, since I found out about it. So Love that. Uh, yeah, check that shit out, dog. Oh, also, I played a show in Brooklyn with a band called Space Cadet and another band called Next Scars. Have you heard of either of these bands, Liam? No. Next Scars is um, there. That was the second time we had played with them. Although the first time we played with them, they played acoustically. But um, they're super fun, like pop punkish band from New York with a little more rock and roll in the tank. And um, I really enjoy them a lot. And I think they're very fun. Um, and then Space Cadet is our friends from the explosion. It's um, Damien and uh, Walsh and Matt from the explosion doing a new rockin' band that is not what the explosion is it's more like laid back in the pocket three guitars lots of guitar solo kind of band and it was really fun just to make it up to brooklyn and to play in a fun bar and just have a good time with the old homies you know what i mean it was it was pretty great so so yeah so i wanted to put that up awesome i love that <laughs> i i was the, honestly hearing about the brooklyn show bums me out a little bit because I wanted to go to the. Oh yeah, show. I totally wanted you to come because you were around. So yeah, you know. yeah, 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 yeah. We we had another commitment that I I had to do, so I apologize to everybody. But uh, I'm 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 really hoping that and, and you know things are things are being planned for your band. So I say yeah, and, and it's coming I'm, along. I'm, I'm really hoping I'm going to get to see you guys again sometime soon and hear the new songs live, which I really like. Yeah, man. I'm you know you're one of the few people that. I let hear it and my fucking God, it's, it's one of those things where it's like everything that I do just kind of feels to converge, you know what I mean? And at the same time, but also like, it's just all, 
kind of cinepunks, right? Like it's all yeah. movie themed. It's all yeah. us. It's all it's all me. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I think people will when they check it out, which I hope everyone will when it's available. And there'll be some singles coming out and stuff like that. That they will really hear you and uh, the love you have for art, for your friends, for music. <laughs> it's all sort of packed in there. So I'm pretty excited. Um. So, like as we said, this is this the 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 majority of this episode is going to be this conversation I had with Josh Rubin. Uh, in anticipation of it, I, I just wanted to talk to Josh a little bit. That, you know, Josh or uh, Josh Rubin. Well, I'm just going to call him Rubin so we don't get confused. <laughs> Rubin was here specifically to uh, promote two movies that he is acting in, which are A Wounded Fawn and Blood Relatives. He's mm. also directed two movies that people may have heard of. One is called uh, Scare Me. Uh, and the other one's called Werewolves Within. Um, mm. I know Scare Me is currently available on Shutter. I think Werewolves Within might be on HBO Max or Amazon Prime or one of those. I don't think it's on Shutter anymore. But uh, before we get into the the newer movies he's promoting, I just want to mention, um, you know, Scare Me was his first feature length, you know, director. directorial, and yeah, he yeah. acted in that too, right? Yes, yeah. yes, and that movie is dripping with his fucking improv sense vibes. of humor. Yeah, yeah it's. Just- it's weird. It's funny. It is unexpected. I really, it's I really oddly like cerebral it. for what it is. Yes. And it's still kind of scary, but more so like just a joy. Yeah. 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 And then werewolves within fuck. Uh, come on. Love man. it. Love it. Sam love Richardson it. is my hero. Uh-huh. I love him so much. I, and he, he nails it so hard. And yeah. The, uh, what, Ma- Melania Weintraub. Yes. The, thank you. Yes. Yeah. She's so good in it too. And she's so adorable. It's such a fun, like charming movie in terms of uh, the werewolf genre. It, you know, and it kind of came out at a rough time because it came out at the same time as uh, Wolf of Snow Hollow. Yeah. And I think there was a bit of brand confusion because of that. But I'll tell you what, that we should have celebrated more that year that there were two ostensibly, though maybe not in one of them, werewolf movies that came out, both of which were fucking great. Yeah, both of which were awesome. Like that doesn't happen, right? Like when not very often, yeah. Not when you have tons of like shit werewolf movies flying around, and you know, yeah, the, yeah. Wolf of Snow Hollow was awesome. Werewolves of the was awesome, and to have them both in the same year was felt like a gift. Uh, so I I had you watch uh Blood Relatives because I knew you'd already yes. watched um a wounded fawn. a wounded fawn. Yeah. What did, you, what did you think of Blood Relatives and specifically Josh in Blood Relatives? He's awesome. Blood Relatives is great. I mean, okay. For for the record, I was I was hesitant to watch it because it just seemed wacky, just from yeah. like yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I it had a vibe of like ah yet that like funny actually funny vampire movie, and you know much like my uh, perspective on um, musical comedy, uh, horror comedy is uh, a value that I no longer invest in wholeheartedly. I'm over. Sure. Yeah. I can't really do it anymore. You know what I mean? It's just not a thing for me. Like you got to commit to one bit or the other. And, uh, you know, just like, you know, like some of it's fine, but I'm not going to listen to new rap rock. You know what I'm saying? Like I got my rage against the machine records. I get it, but I'm not going to be out there searching out the next band that's doing that. And, uh, that's this, so funny. Cause that gridiron band is like blowing up right now. And that's yep. how I felt when people describe it. I'm like, you know, I bet they're really good at what they do, but I just don't need that right now. <laughs> That's how I feel about horror comedy. Like, if you give me another horror comedy movie, you know, like Hellraisers or like, you know, one of those, like, just kind of like wackadoo, you know, I mean, Deadstream kind of had the same vibe for me. Like, all right, here we go with the goofiness. But then it like actually legitimately scared me. 
and I won't say that I was actually legitimately scared by blood relatives, but I was surprised by the depth and um, the actual pathos that was in this movie for what it was. Yo, can I tell you my skepticism going into blood relatives? And I brought this up a teeny bit with Josh, but I didn't want to like be <laughs> too slag ne- it on him. Yeah, I didn't want to be too negative, uh, but we're more honest here. So I'll just put it out there. I, you know, I've, I'm, I'm not really a Noah Segan fan. Which isn't to say I'm against him either. I just don't mm-hmm. care. And a lot of people I know in movie stuff know him at a personal level. So here's an actor who I kind of think is cool, but I don't really like that much, that a bunch of people I know love him. They're fucking in love with him. They think he's the best. <laughs> it's because they're his. Fr- he's their friend. You know, of course. I, I hype up people I'm friends with, so I get it. But it, it always felt excessive to me. And then when I was talking to Josh about the movie, he said, well, you know what? This is very personal to Noah. Because he really felt like he used to be this guy who was trying so hard to be cool. You know, the guy in the leather jacket at the film fest. And it broke it open for me, Josh, because (laughs) this is why I was bummed to see the movie, because I know him as the guy in the leather jacket at the film fest. That's what I fucking know him as. And like, (laughs) I wasn't I was trying not to judge him for that because like he's he's I don't know him. I don't have anything against him on a personal level. He just always seemed like he was trying really hard to be cool. And here's a movie about how. When you become a dad and you're hit with real life and you have to like deal with reality, you kind of have to stop pretending that you're super cool and realizing that this character, though he's complicated in a lot of ways, in some sense, it has been trying to be cool for almost a hundred years, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's kind of fitting. And it kind of, the, the heart of that, like, hey guys, this is a movie about this character being me, not because he is cool, but because he's having to come to terms with that he's living in an illusion. And that yeah. his life is not what he's made it out to be for the last 80 years. I'm like, that's so fucking raw and so relatable. I kind of love Noah Segan now. Like I like straight up, like, and, and I don't want to turn the corner on him. huh? I don't want to hype the movie up too much. It's still, it's very indie. You have to have a certain kind of sense of humor to think it's yeah. funny, but if you're willing to be charmed by it, this is a fucking charming movie that it despite is. being silly and funny has heart. Like really in it, it has heart and that heart comes across. And I was, that's what I was blown away by. Not by the jokes that worked, not by Josh Rubin's performance though. Josh plays the best version of Renfeld I've ever seen in my fucking life. (laughs) It's just so good. It's so good. And not because he's our guest, but no, so over the top, so fun. And I went in expecting him to be good, but I was still surprised by the performance. But what knocked me out about this movie was how like it felt very real and it felt very sort of vulnerable. And that made me go, well, I'm glad I never made up my mind. Like, I'd hate to be someone who had written Noah Segan off, you know, like for a while he like kind of people kind of called him by his character's name from Looper. You know, his character oh, was called Kid Blue yeah. and people like called him Kid Blue. I'm sure that rubbed somebody the wrong way. Like just when, when you're when you are when your vibe is that you're like one of the coolest out there doing it, that can really bump people out. But like between this movie and people might not have noticed he's in Glass Onion, too. He's the potted out roommate in glass oh onion. no shit yeah huh. it's funny for me one of the funniest parts of the fucking movie that i'm like yeah. fuck it man i love noah segan i'm in and, <laughs> and you know and josh like really said working with him was great and really like being on the movie so I, I i don't know it just made me like the movie more knowing that it represented something real about him and that it wasn't mm. trying to be honestly this like comedy explosion it was no. very aware of what it was doing and it did it very well Agreed. I enjoyed it more than I thought that I was going to. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she, I, I get, I get some people might be taking that as faint praise, but I mean, it is real. It is one of my favorite horror movies from last year. I, I really, really <laughs> liked it. And then of course, uh, a wounded fawn. Um, I, I, I do want to acknowledge our friend Sophia had some issues with the artists that were highlighted in the movie. Um, you know, I do recommend people do a little bit of research on that. Uh, still overall though, dude, I fucking love that movie. I, yeah, I, 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 I love, I, I love Sophia and I take her comments very seriously. So I don't want to completely not mention it or anything, but, uh, but Josh is one of the reasons that movie works. There's a lot of great things in the movie, the way it looks shot on 16 millimeter, the, the costume design, the set design, the, the color palette. Yeah. The yeah whole there's thing a, is a lot of it, but a lot of it also rests on fucking Josh. And I really felt like he knocks it out of the park. It is an unbelievable performance for yeah, agreed. Super fun movie. Yeah. So anyways, that's, you know, I, I, I we get into a lot of stuff in the interview. I don't want to hold up that getting to that too much. Uh, I did want to say really quick, Josh, uh, what is your favorite uh, Josh Rubin appearance on either Game Changer or uh, Make Some Noise? Oh, my goodness. He's super fun on Game Changer. And like I'm still on the first season, so... You know, oh, but when he yeah. shows up in the first season with the the Asian dude, and they have yeah. to make the noises, yeah. yeah, holy Moses, that shit is hilarious. Josh Rubin sounds hysterical, and I definitely would love to meet him one day. Oh man, it's the stuff he's able to do on there, and you know, if if you've watched stuff on College Humor before, he's done stuff even back in the day. In the interview, we said back when College Humor was bad, <laughs> he was on there, but uh, but you know, he gets into how Sam Reich was able to start running stuff for college humor and make it a very different place than it was when I was in college, you know. Uh, and and he gets into how he got involved with all that, and it's a fun story. I gotta say, if you've never watched either Game Changer or Make Some Noise, which is the they spun off one of the games from Game Changer into its own show, it's really funny. Josh, every time he's on there. It's fucking hilarious, man. He's so goddamn yeah. funny. And dude's a good uh, funny guy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh J- Josh Alvarez, thank you for <laughs> doing this intro with me. I wanted to release this, but I wanted it to feel like a full episode. And I'm really glad people are gonna get to hear this interview, but also get to hear your voice because that makes me happy too. Yeah, you make me happy too, Liam. You're the best. All right, we're gonna take a break and then uh it'll be just me and Josh Rubin. And you know, let me know what you think. If I ask this stupid question. If I, if I, uh, if I killed it, which I don't think I did, but if I did, you know, give us your feedback. We'd love to hear it. And, uh, thanks for being a listener. We'll be back pretty soon with, a uh, with some other guests and some other episodes. So, uh, and like we said before, you know, check out the Patreon. We we're trying to do lunch with Liam, maybe not weekly, but at least twice a month. So, yeah. uh, check it out. We love you a lot. Thanks for listening. And Chris Reject's going to be a guest on our show. Oh, yeah. Chris is coming on very soon before the end of the month. And we're going to talk about Cyborg and uh, Punisher. Yeah. And Punisher. That's right. That's right. Punisher Warzone. Right. Or uh, I don't remember. Actually, I don't know. One of the Punisher ones. Sorry, Chris. Done. All right. Yep. All right. Smoke bombs.
Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special uh, interview episode of Cinepunks slash Harbiz. We'll call this a Cinepunks slash Harbiz's production. Uh, Justin and Josh Alvarez are not available, but I'm here talking to Josh Rubin. Josh, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we, we're going to get into people might know you a lot of different ways. Uh, my assumption is that a lot of our listeners through horror business are going to know your most recent two films, a wounded fawn and blood relatives. And we've talked in the show about scare me and uh, werewolves within in the past. We're going to get into all that stuff. And we're going to spend some time because on Cinepunks, I've run up quite a few times that I am obsessed with dropout. It is, it is a yeah. comfort channel for me. I, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I will say I love Dimension 20. I'm a little hit or miss. It depends on on, on, on what they're doing there. But uh, Game Changer, make some noise. I'm actually uh, the the drinking show. I forget what it's called. Uh, all these shows, I they're just they just make me feel good. They're just they're just yeah. shows that make me feel good. So we'll we'll spend some time talking about that too. But before we get into any of that, you know, Cinepunks, it's a show about film. It's it's really also a show about uh, things people are passionate about. You know, we, we've talked about exploitation. We've talked about French new wave. We've talked about straight to VHS stuff. Uh, it's all about the, the things people are passionate about. I kind of want to know you're at a party with people, you're talking to somebody and they bring up a movie that, you know, no matter how, <laughs> no matter how charming you want to be in this moment, you're about to punish this person because you have things to say. You know, that's that's always a classic. We always talk about it, the punisher, the person who can't help themselves from just saying too much. And that's me. I've always been that person. What what movie, if you're at the party and someone brings it up, you just know in your head, and maybe you can hold back, maybe you can't, but you think this is a movie I can say a lot about. Uh, well, it's an obscure one. It's not a horror film. I actually did a whole episode of another show just about my love of it. Actually, sure. Todd Field's Little Children. Oh my uh, god, great I'm choice! Fucking, fucking obsessed with little children, which just sounds crazy to talk say at a party just out of context. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I love it. I love it more than Tar. Um, I think he's a total genius. And um, yeah, it's my favorite. It's my favorite. It's ethereal. It's funny. It's sweet. It's odd. It's creepy. Um, it hits all parts of my my film film loving lizard brain. I love that. What do you have? A unifying theory about what it is about little children that gets gets so into your brain that you just want to to rattle on about it. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, it's it it it's so multi-textured. I mean, it's yeah, sure. literally a character study about you know these flawed kind of everyday, theoretically everyday, average kind of American people. Yeah. But it's narrated by the guy that does the the National Geographic documentary. So there's this there's this like kind of anthropological study of the human. Um, condition kind of element to it but because there's a narrator and it's and it's got this kind of uh, it's sort of ethereal Thomas Newman score sure it yeah. feels like a dream in a weird way it feels like it's it's an art film you know yeah um, yeah oh of course yeah but I, I know what you're saying it's for a movie to have that kind of weird it has a weird technical sheen to it and it yet does. 
that technical sheen doesn't keep it from feeling like a a lot of times when people say this feels like a dream or this feels like a nightmare <laughs> yeah, they it's mean it's much. it's glossy it's or or it's uh it's through like a like a, a great example uh the first movie we're gonna end up talking about here in a sec a wounded fawn at times feels uh, like a dream and and that's aided sure. by the sort of 16 millimeter uh surrealist art of it all but little Absolutely. children ends up feeling like a dream in the ways it feels like something else than the movie you're watching, if that makes sense. Yes, I think I think that's that's completely fair. I mean, it, for what it's worth, it scratches the same myth that I think American Beauty, that I know American Beauty did for a lot of us. If you were, you know, in high school and you were kind of of that that age, I mean, this speaks to such a different era of film loving kid. Right. Um, but you know, you you were a high school. I remember being a high school kid and being like, I have to see Sam Mendes's American Beauty. Um, it was the same reason why we all, for different reasons, we'd all flock to. I was just talking to someone about you know, uh, like Requiem for a Dream. It's like yes. I wouldn't think a high schooler would go and excitedly rent Requiem, but there's something about oh man, I just gotta I gotta dig into this movie. This is gonna be great because because movies were events. You know, we would go, we would go to the movie store, the video store, and we would rent an event for the evening. It would be what tape did, you know, so-and-so pick up. And um, there's, there's something about uh, little children and, you know, the kind of films of that era that feel like, like even like Ice Storm, they feel like they, 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 stories of the human condition that are about, you know, dark corners of the world. It's like if Todd Solondz is a bit too much, you can, (laughs) you can sit back. Yeah. And watch a uh, watch a, a, a Todd Field uh, story of the human condition um, about an, you know two folks coming together having an affair in a small town mm. and just get lost in that beautiful Tom Perota story. Yeah, a friend of mine recently was saying how he doesn't understand the nostalgia people feel for the video store because he prefers the convenience of streaming. But in my mind, streaming makes things sometimes feel less like events. You know, like go, going to the video store, it was like, this is what we're doing tonight. We have to pick the right thing. Yeah. Because this, this is, is tonight. This is what we're doing. Yes. Yes, correct. Exactly. And, and, and yeah, that was less cool than like going to a, a show. Like in my world, you know, I, I grew up going to punk and hardcore shows. So like going to a show mm-hmm. was better than going to the video store. But like if we weren't going to a show and we weren't going to a party, video store was sick. Like that was the next coolest thing you could do with your Truly. night. Uh, unless you fucked it up and picked something that you regretted picking, you know, uh, and 99 True. was that year, American beauty. You bring, you bring, bring up American beauty. I'm not a huge yeah. fan, but 99 was that year. That was like the year yeah. where so many shit came out that really changed the way a lot of people thought about, about movies, you know, um, 99. Yeah. That, yeah, and, and, and I was thinking about our differences in ages and you nailed it perfectly with, you know, I, that was my sophomore year in college. So that was like, mm-hmm. you know, and I was not the sort of college kid that was out partying. So the video store was very important because sometimes yeah. that was the only fun that thing. we had. Yeah, that yeah. was it. The whole week I was going to be the video store. Okay. Uh, before we move on, I, I wanted to run backwards real quick and say, you like it more than Tar. Just on a quick note, how did you feel about Tar though? Did you like it or were you let uh, down? I really enjoyed Tar. I was in no way let down. Um, I I just for, gosh, I, I, I couldn't tell you necessarily what. It might just be the sort of subject matter, the character. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. And also just my, my nostalgia and love for a certain kind of Todd Field movie, which is right. so unfair. It's like the guy's got a 
graduate as if he needed to from little children that you know they, they can't all be small stories just that this had you know kind of its own sort of a scope to it um i don't know i i think i i think i loved uh i, I love that former work so much i had this a sort of a similar expectation but i mean come on there's 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 so little to to hate about tar and it's cleaning up yeah. and i certainly don't i can't wait to see it again but it's just um it's no uh it's no story of an affair between Kate Winslet, Patrick Wilson, and, um, you know, the study <laughs> of a child molester. Yeah, so. yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I fucking, oh, God, Tar is just, um, it, it really, uh, it really blew me away. And I'm, and I, it's one of those movies that I finished it the first time I watched it and th- was almost confused in the sense of like, did I even understand what I just, am I even sure about that? And then hearing other people talk about it. And I was like, Oh, thank God. Because one of the things I thought was like, this movie is, you know, it's so serious in so many ways, or or it plays out so serious, but also like, is this movie camp? Am I watching camp right now? And then looking at other people like, Oh, a lot of people actually think that. Okay, good. Cause I thought like, am I on a fucking Island right now? Like, you know, like, is anyone out there with me? Um, that hearing other people agree with you is like one of the best parts about loving movies. I I have a theory. Let me share it. And then people go, yeah, "Yeah, I, I see that. And you're like, Oh, thank God. Okay. I thought I was a crazy person. Um, so you have uh, two movies sort of available right now uh, that I wanted to hit on. And, you know, both of these are horror movies. We talk about horror on Cinepunks too. It's not like I only talk about horror on my horror podcast, but, you know, I think it connects the two. So I'm going to play it on both here. Um, the first one I want to bring up is this uh, A Wounded Fawn directed by Travis Stevens, uh, someone we've talked about on the show before. Um, I, I've always thought of him as a as a potential guest because I've heard he used to go to uh, punk and hardcore shows. So I'm like, I'd love oh, to talk yeah. to him about movies and about music. Uh, but a wounded fawn, I saw it at the Chicago uh, international film fest and Congrats. had no idea what to expect, was really blown away by it. And I think part of that obviously is, I think this movie is very different from his other two films, which is no disrespect to those movies, but aesthetically, this is something else. Visually, this is something else. Story-wise, there's a lot going on here. But another part of that was your performance as this Bruce character. Uh, I, I'm just going to say right now, um, we've already discussed this movie on Horror Business with uh, light spoilers. So I'm not too worried about that if you're too worried about it. Uh, the only thing I want to make sure is um, I think the total zinger of the 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 very ending of the movie is like for the few people who maybe haven't seen it i don't want to spoil that just because it's it's a joke that you need i mean it's not even really a joke but you know what i mean it, it, it needs its own space but that being said obviously bruce is is who he is and i think most people know that going in what they're getting um talk to me a little bit about this character who i think you are going between a very sort of pompous sort of way of being almost kind of braggadocious to also a sort of vulnerability. Oh, yeah and a kind of weakness there. Um, you're both yeah. menacing and menaced in the film. There's a lot of like range they're in. Yeah. How, how, what was it like doing that? How, did you have any sort of preparation for that role? Like where are you at with Bruce as a character? That's an awesome, that's an awesome question. I mean, this is the thing about us comedy, comedy folk who do horror films, uh-huh. not to compare myself at all to a Jordan Peele or Zach Kreger, but what I love about it and what I think ma- makes a, comedians theoretically great in the genre is that we love to observe and skewer um uh social 
issues uh, certain types of people. For me, it's the, I love a white male narcissist or an, uh, an emasculated man. Yeah. That's what my first film was about. I played that person. And then this one, you have a self-aggrandizing narcissist who, who has this operatic sort of narrative about himself um, and is through and through bad. Uh, so why Travis thought I was... I was the right person for the role. I'll never really know. He says, you are, you know, I can tell from your work, you might be weird enough and crazy enough to helm this. Um, but for me, it's exhilarating because I get to, it's almost, I don't want to like compare it to like when I do characters on my TikTok or whatever, but it kind of was like, I look at it like, oh, I get to more seriously play slash skewer um, this type of narcissistic man. Mm -hmm. that I would just otherwise make fun of in a comedic kind of uh, circumstance. Um, but here I'm, I'm, I'm playing not just the, not just the bully, but as you said, you know, the bullied, the terrorized, and that's super exciting. Um, so yeah, it was, that was, it was a thrill to do just as a, as a, a, a person who came up doing comedy of any and all kind. Both of your movies that you've directed, which we'll talk more about later, are, you know, what people would sort of call comedic horror movies uh, in, in their own sense. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if you feel like there's a connection between comedy and horror sure. beyond doing a comedic horror film. Like I, when I think about your performance in this, you know, a Wounded Fawn is compared to the movies that you've directed, a, a very serious film in a lot of ways. Yeah. But there are resonances between this and comedy, and you bring up the uh, director of Barbarian. Barbarian's another movie. When I left that film, I thought only a comedy writer could write that kind of horror film. Truly, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's a, it's the whole thing plays like a joke that's never funny, you know. But right. the structure <laughs> of it is like, oh, this is really good. Only it's not, it's not funny. I'm not fucking laughing, but holy yeah. shit! And that's not yeah. to say there aren't jokes in the movie. And I think in Wounded Fawn. Maybe not jokes, but there are moments that play as humorous a little bit. But in sure. something so serious, people might see a, a chasm between what you're doing there and what you're doing with comedy. And I didn't feel that at all. Do you feel like there's a lot of resonance there, like as a performer and even as a writer between horror and comedy that way? Oh, completely. I mean, it's it it has there's they they speak to each other. There's so mm -hmm. much about the unexpected nature of a scare and the unexpected nature of a laugh. You don't know when either's going to happen. And that's kind of a uh, that's kind of an exciting thing. And I think why we as certainly as audiences are drawn to it. It's why it's the what they're saying, you know, they're calling the sort of bulletproof genre. And it is. It's it's why, it, you know, Megan is, quote unquote, slaying this weekend. Yeah. Um, right, and a movie right. like Amsterdam is is being nailed into the ground is because it's not, that's not a date movie. You want to take people and go for that unexpected. Um, that unexpected experience and unexpected experience. And when am I going to laugh? When am I going to scream? Um, we don't know. It's, it's a no, it's, it's no money fun. Certainly if you rent a movie and, uh, or watch something on scary on Netflix, that has a bit of comedy to it. You are truly lighting up all parts of the brain is how I look at it. Hmm. Um, it's the ultimate good time. And so, um, uh, dually we are, especially with fun horror, we are watching the underdog survive the impossible situation. Yeah. And if you can add that element of humor to it, like there is no better escape. You will truly forget the horrors of your own life. Like for lack of a better, you know, preachy phrasing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you know, and I, I read an interview with uh, uh, Travis Stevens. He talked about some of the influences on the film. And one of the directors brought up was uh, Jodorowsky. Uh, specifically, mm-hmm. he talked about uh, El Topo, right? And as a director, you know, Jodorowsky's squish, squishing the horror into the comedic and the and and seeing the comedic in horror and a lot of it influenced by his own work as like a mime and a circus performer and i really found wow. myself thinking about how both horror and comedy they can function on their own without any particular sort of context or uh uh uh, uh outlook like you you can make a right. horror without perspective or comedy without perspective but so often they're tools for criticism for you know yeah. critiquing things and and like you yeah. said this film seems to be not just about a patriarchal man but also a patriarchal man within a certain kind of context and a certain kind of politics of the world that we were living in yeah absolutely i mean the ultimate self-aggrandizing narcissist but one who is truly truly deadly we had one who was so deadly he you know all but seduced a bunch of um uh brainwashed Midwestern Americans, well, I shouldn't generalize, but a lot of them were Midwestern kind of in a bubble folk to to uh, invade the nation's capital. Right. Um, and yes. this this person takes it upon himself to um, to do that invasion by actually killing that proverbial yeah. invasion, I should say. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I again, I just I think that that's just kind of the beauty of 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 straddling both genres is just being able to just take that bit of observationist, say comic, um, uh, comic edge and skewer that personality just a bit more than maybe someone, um, than maybe s- someone else with a, just a purely dramatic background might. It's mm. what, what the, the complete thrill of it is. And also the, the challenge of it is, I mean, with this, I, I totally told Travis, I was like, you know, my goal is going to be to play, you know, su- seductive Josh. Um, I, I don't know how to play that, that <laughs> part in my, in my own life. Yeah. So I might as well, th- this is the opportunity because this is this guy, this is someone who uses his, his cheekbones to basically lure women to his house and his smarts to lure women to his house um, and, and, and murder them. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I usually am just playing silly boys. So well, it's a real fun challenge and, and thrill. And there's there's something inherently sort of critical about that in the sense that like the relationship between um men who lure to murder and men who lure for companionship is like that line <laughs> might be a little too thin for some people, oh, might be a yeah. little uncomfortable. Um I, what what was the set line? I mean, you you're in this house. I, I you know, I heard you on I think it was on the Carnage Report, you talked about you guys filmed in Princeton, which is sick mm-hmm. because uh I went to school uh, grad school in Princeton, so I'm very familiar yeah. with the area and the Record Exchange and the Ben Spoon, all those oh, places. I love them. I spend um, my weekends at the Record Exchange. Oh yeah, my god! Yeah. Oh my god! The it's I, I can't even go anymore. Let alone the records, right? The Blu-ray section, it, it'll kill my pocket. Uh, like, I can't even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unreal. Uh, so you're in Princeton. You're doing this thing with like, a, it's not a lot of people. It's an intense performance. The whole thing ends in a way that's super intense. You know, long, you know, long ass unbroken thing. Um, What was that sort of experience like? How did you kind of unwind from that? Like, was this different than I know, like Scare Me was also a pretty small kind of uh, thing, but it's it's a little bit different when you're directing. You know, tell me about that experience of filming this this movie in particular. 
Uh, I mean, I was in, I was in heaven. Like we, we yes, it was night shoots and yes, that part of it, you know, kind of, kind of was rough. Um, sure. I mean, it was something like 20 days of night shoots out of the 30 days we shot or something insane. But I love being alone. Like, yes, I miss, I miss my wife dearly, but I'm, I'm great by myself. I actually wrote, it's funny you bring up scare me because I wrote like a, basically a scare me spinoff essentially in my hotel room completely by myself a truly knocked out 80 pages, you know, in my underwear, sitting at my hotel desk in my room. Um, I had a wonderful time that the weather is changing from uh, super hot to, you know, October, um, October Halloween vibes. And here I am, like, you know, being paid, um, not a fortune, but being paid, you know, a livable wage to to play and to actually like do that, do that listening thing that, you know, you always dream of doing when you, you do the acting thing, like, holy shit, I'm working with Sarah Lind and she's really like listening to me and I'm listening to her as, as actors. Like, um, it it was, uh, there was, there was kind of nothing like it. I had a wonderful time. I didn't, I didn't get bleak. It didn't get dark. Travis is a, has a wonderful kind of gallows humor. Sure. Um, which, you know, completely lines up with mine as does Sarah. So we were all just, laughing yes it was a grueling shoot but we we had such a hell of a time um and uh i i don't know what that says about me maybe i'm uh maybe i'm a sociopath or a psychopath but no, um, i had, no, I had a no. wonderful but to be able to like you know unwind by going into town i always forget the name of the small world to go to that like coffee place oh, and walk around yes. The campus. yes 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 like yes, it was yes. just like what a what an incredible way to unwind that was just, yeah, yeah i i uh when i when i lived in princeton i was not far just off the downtown, there's a neighborhood called uh, Little Guatemala, and I lived in a house that we rented in that neighborhood. And it was so interesting to be that close to the, you know, I I, I, I mean this in a positive way, but sort of the, the bougie elegance of downtown Princeton, but then also sure. live in a yeah. neighborhood that yeah. had good tacos. And, you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. It was yeah. like we were in this area that felt a little different, but it was like a five-minute walk into Princeton, which is great because I yeah. I, uh, I went to uh, the seminary nearby, and you know I, being able to walk around it was a great experience. So filming there that must have been great. Um, it was great. I I uh, I, I want to say this is you know you've gotten to talk a lot about wounded fawn. Big shout out to Carnage Report. If you you know you said some a lot of stuff on there too. I want to sh- switch gears a little bit because I haven't heard you talk as much about blood relatives and this character Roger mm-hmm. uh, Fieldner. Mm-hmm. I I was watching it and I was thinking like. This is like a, a, a almost a comedic take on on Renfield, right? Like this is your oh, Renfield. Completely. Yeah, talk to Roger me about doing Fielder, that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it was just it was fun as hell. You know, Noah Noah Sagan basically just asked if I would be down to you know do the do the scare me treatment for him, like essentially yeah. you know, coach him through that process as a producer. And I said, absolutely. Like, um, uh, if I could j- go to set and just be the stressed out coffee drinking producer, I've never done that before. Um, and I was happy to do <laughs> I love it. That. And, and part of the, you know, part of my payment was, you know, or the, the excitement for me beyond just the creative process and roping in an actress, like, you know, Victoria Morales, who I worked with on plan B and stuff playing also a creep, um, opposite her, uh, was playing that part. Um, yeah. and, uh, and Noah was, you know, gracious enough and down enough to let me, uh, to let me, let me do it. I mean, the, it's, it's, um, I don't want to put down the process of the work or anything. Um, but for me, that type of comedic role opposed to Wounded Fawn is one where I can, 
that felt like vacation. That's what I was kind of born to do. I have the comedy in my bones. I could do my weird eye thing and my funny laugh and whatever that, that feels like I can, I can just kind of knock that out. Um, Whereas Bruce is like, Oh shit, this is, this is going to require some focus. This is going to roll out of bed and, you know, and do it kind of a, kind of a role at all. Um, I'll I'll tell uh, you what though, that performance was part of what what I was thinking of when I was also thinking about Bruce though, because I mean, it, it, (laughs) you talk about it being, uh, fulfilling but it's also got to be difficult here are both characters one is asking you to go over the top the other one has the has the over the top in it but there's this balance between this is an over top performance that i believe as a viewer and this is an over top performance that like has moved into parody unintentionally so like that has to be difficult to balance out between these two things while still feeling like you're you're exploring and playing with the character yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I I, th- I think that's fair to say. Um, but, it, you know, I, I think I've just been so weird for so long and <laughs> so comfortable for so long doing the one thing that the the uh, the other, the, the, the dramatic, the Bruce of it all was what felt like the challenge. And honestly, again, I mean, the, the, the biggest challenge of Bruce was playing a version of myself and, right. and not yes. getting caught trying to be funny, which was essentially my note to all actors and really in anything I do, especially comedically, but all my werewolves actors. It's like, let's, you know, let, yes, this is a comedy, but let's not get caught trying because that's the worst. And of course, you don't have to say that to people like Sam Richardson and Harvey Guillen and them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, it was, uh, it was just a damn, a damn dream to do, do all, all swath of challenges. Um, blood blood relatives cool. as a viewer, it felt like a very personal project for, uh, Segan. Is that accurate oh, yeah. to say? Like it, it, oh, it feels like he's in the, you know what I mean? Like not in it literally per se, but like he, who he is, is kind of reflected in the way the movie is and, and what the movie is doing, you know? Oh, oh, that's completely right. I love how he phrases it's um, it's about a guy who used to be the cool guy and who's no longer the cool guy. And he was like, I used to go to film festivals in my leather jacket and think that I was the cool guy. Um, right. And yes. uh, I'm I, and- <laughs> as, as a person who's been to Fantastic Fest. Yes, that is true. I remember that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's that's it. And he's like, this is about. This is about the dude who, uh, you know, who who is no longer in that in that position by any means. And so uh, I just thought that was that was super wrestling. That's you, you can't get more wonderfully um, personal than that. So, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> let's knock it out. So uh, I'm sure everyone is aware you you've directed two films, both of which I think are available to stream right now. Yes. I know Scare Me is yeah. on Shutter. Uh, yeah. I don't know if Werewolves Within is or not, but. Um, it is yeah on Showtime, I believe, and somewhere in the UK. Great. Uh, both of these are comedic horror films, which might feel like they're similar, but Scare Me is such an intensely focused movie, and it has, mm-hmm. um, oh, I don't want to say gimmick because I say that because I'm someone who talks to people who like wrestling, and so that's a word we throw around to describe a hook <laughs> no, it's all or, good. Or, an, or an angle. And I, But in filmmaking, yeah. people say it, they mean it di- dismissively. I don't think that's fair. I think oftentimes when you're doing our, the the angle or the gimmick is actually one of the most important things you got to figure out. Scare Me, it has oh, this, yeah. this sound effect it. thing going on, this narrative yeah. thing, this thing that reflects 
maybe some of the parts of like improv that give people joy in this sort of performance thing. And then you're, and then you go to werewolves within, which is, and again, I mean this positively, an incredibly polished film that has a cast that is more like an ensemble with very specific characters and people are in their roles. And it has the structure of a whodunit, whereas scare me has almost its own kind of structure. Was it difficult Mm -hmm. transitioning from one form of filmmaking to the other, even though the comedic through line is in both films, they feel like very different movies to me. Uh, yeah, it, I, it wasn't, it wasn't terribly tough. I think what was just because Mishnah Wolf's script, you, you know, you crack that thing open and it yeah. reads like it's clue meets tremors. Yeah. Um, yeah, with yeah a little yeah, bit yeah. Of, the, of the thing thrown in. And so it's like the whole movie is just so clearly so beautifully kind of laid out um so i what you have to do just with any film and certainly i did in this instance as a director is you got to get excited um and and i i got really fucking excited um which is which is good uh to do to do this movie you kind of you you know you prep and prep and prep you have to yes you have to kind of wrangle your cast make sure everyone's on the same page you have to articulate the the sort of messaging of Mishnah's, um north star to a degree being clue you know in the sense that sure, each yeah. character's name is their occupation so every character needs to sort of be clear making sure you kind of have these you know you, you're putting in time with each of the actors that was super intimidating how am i going to best be there for my ensemble and um not rush them which boy did we ever rush um there was a tight schedule where it's like scare me was like it was a play I felt almost extremely languid despite all of the um, production difficulties. Um, mm. And yet, you know, especially through all my years of doing sketches for College Humor, it, and this is so, it seems so stupid to say this, but it's, it's actually true. It's like, it all ends up being the same thing despite the scale, which is so, which right. is so funny. It's like, when it comes down to it, it's you, actors, and a camera. And and it, it's up to you to kind of guide the the actors to like do their thing. The coolest thing about werewolves is I had more resources. You know, I sure. it, it, yeah, yeah, of it course. looked cooler. I had you know the the the, the brawn. I didn't have you know a super swath of it, but um, that was amazing. It was amazing to be like I can have five songs. Like we can get a Spice Girls song. We can get a Backstreet Boys song for this cheesy ass moment. Um, we can uh, you know we can get stunt people. We can rehearse for a week. We can do it, and, and still, it's never enough. But that was that was really rad. It, it always just kind of ends up being the same it, thing. It had to be a little intimidating though, only because I know from the line in "Scare Me" that you know the truth of werewolf movies, which is that <laughs> they are not as easy as they seem. Everyone looks at American Werewolf in London, and I would argue also the Howling and a couple others, but there are more werewolf movies that don't hit the mark. And so taking on a werewolf movie, there as as someone who knows what they're doing, that had to be at least somewhat intimidating for you. Oh, that oh that's that sucked. And I'll tell you, I mean I I speak very openly about it now. Our performer the, the day comes our performer and I had the best creature designer. We had rock and roll uh, rock star prosthetic uh, yeah. uh, makeup artist and I mean the day comes where we put our stunt performer in the werewolf wardrobe and we all kind of go they look cute. This uh, werewolf looks cute. Uh, and in retrospect, um, and there's stuff that we did to kind of alter 
this character try not to you know, try not to speak and you know too uh specifically right. to yes. give anything away yes. to alter the character to make them a little more gruesome or a little more scary and we did that there's some eye work and some skin work and stuff but um what i've what i've learned is and i'd love to whether it's a werewolf film or just a creature film in general a valuable lesson is doesn't matter how cool the creature design is on paper it has to translate to being applied to a human form, a human body. And so in retrospect, it's like even with the wolf and, and you know, American Wolf in London, it's like it's not about the werewolf proper, even though that look rules. Um, uh, I think the one in the howling, even the one in late phases, which is controversial, yeah, yeah. or the one in bad moon, I think those are all rippers. I haven't seen oh, wolf the, the, tr- the transformation in bad moon is the bad part. Once yeah, it's yeah. once it's the werewolf, that's one of the best, period. I don't care one what anyone says. It's amazing. I agree. It's I just agree. the weird computer graphics of the transformation yeah. that look like a CD yeah. Rob game. But otherwise, that's a great the movie. Rob Boutine. Yeah, there the, 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 was like the Rob Boutine uh, 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 effect. Yeah. And they just were like, just, just do that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I, I, I think in retrospect, I'm looking at it now, I'm like, I should have killed the lights. This in the end, this sure. person howls, yes. the yes. fucking pinball machines, the glass smashes, and I'm like, oh my god, the light should have been flickering. And this is the thing about moving quickly is if you can prep, I prep the shit out of that movie, but in retrospect, it's like those are one of those things you can do on the fly to kind of um, you know, to keep things creepy because we had to, you know, it's as you know, it's a fast werewolf transformation, everything else. But I'm super proud of of it and 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 everyone who's kind of come out of the woodwork to be like, this is on my winter rewatch list. Yeah. This is my cozy what like if, if it's not just a Halloween rewatch, it's like, oh no, I'm gonna watch this every winter. Like this is your winter movie? Hell yeah. This would be the coziest winter movie. And then you can double feature it, you know, with Scare Me in that kind of way. It's like, yeah, I guess I did make two like little winter, winter contained, uh, you know, genre flicks. And I'm, I mean, I'm stoked. But my problem with horror comedies is my same problem with romantic comedies is when it fails at both the things, right? Like Dude, it's got to be yeah. funny and it's got to be a horror movie or else what are we doing? Yeah. And if it wins at only one of them, that can sometime win you over if it's really good. But if it fails at both and the number of times that you see a movie and you go, well, that wasn't a good either of those things. I don't know why you tried because he should have stuck to one, I guess. Um, That's And and so for me, Werewolves Within, it's like I've laughed and I felt some real anxiety (laughs) and I was really uh, quite like I'm sure a lot of people were fucking surprised by the end. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, didn't see that coming. Um, I I know you're on a bit of a time crunch. How much time you got here? Oh no, I can do it. You okay for a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Um, That's perfect. Uh, I so I you know I want to ask you about dropout stuff, but I also want to talk. I want to spend a little bit of time with Scare Me. I wasn't sure is that is that a script? Is that a movie where y'all had you had that script like solid and everyone's just doing whatever? Or is there some? Because I know you have experience with improv of some kind, right? So I'm watching the movie and I'm like, how much of this is like? rock solid uh fucking um rehearsal ahead of time and how much of this is like we're figuring it out in the cabin as we go i just had no oh, sense dude. of that as someone watching it just watching because i i definitely just watched it on shutter as, as long before i even knew like okay this is part of what you're doing and all that you know dude uh if i i i am uh i'm honored that anyone would think we had that kind of time 
Sure. Um, yeah, boy, yeah, yeah. Boy, did we not. Uh, you know, we we had, you got to remember, Aya Cash, our star, she's not an improviser. Um, right. she, is, she, is, she comes from the background of television and, and stage. Right. So um, I didn't have that luxury that the script was airtight, but what you have to do, like with with all these types of films um, as a director, you have to um, you have to give your actors the freedom to make the words their own. So that's what I did. The script was the script was pretty, pretty much the script. I actually I put it on, on sale on my site so that people can see um, my buddy Henry did a little like design cover and everything. And people can see it's like it's almost sort of it's more or less word for word, you know, despite the um, the ums and ahs and such that my cast added. And, you know, I think I did a little Zumba uh, improv. Sure. But it, it truly is. I mean, we didn't we didn't have a choice other than to shoot the script because we had we shot that movie in like 12 days. I used to think Jesus. it was 14. Yeah. My cinematographer was like, you know, it was 12. Right. There was one day where the Venus story originally was like like god like i want to say it was eight pages and we shot it in we shot the whole thing in like half a day i mean truly just those good those like chris and and i are just ripping through eight pages from three angles or whatever and they were exhausted but they destroyed it um and we had to cut it down to like basically be a minute long um and it was uh you know and it's still there's still like you know this thing about you could noodle any art project for forever. I'm sure you know this too about like any music or, or writing. You can fucking noodle forever. I could noodle that edit forever. There's still eight minutes. I wish I could cut out of that film, but it's like, it's kind of what makes your, your movie perfect is, right. is the imperfection. You know, it's like, Hey, right. you know what that, remember that, that era of, uh, of your career when you were still a little green? Well, you know, you, you kept it a little fatty when maybe it could have been trimmed up a little bit or the, the werewolf fear was a little cute. You probably could have solved that with some lighting, whatever it is. Yeah. Just kind of, you'll hopefully I'll look back at all this. And as I lean more into horror, I think, which is my next sort of challenge, how scary, how much scarier can I make my shit and go like, all right, yeah. you know, Hey, that was, that was a moment, you know? Now is, is, uh, man, I have so many things I want to ask you about. Let me, let me focus on yeah, this. Yeah. Obviously you've talked about being stoked on tales from the crypt which to be fair oh, yeah. also has its own kind of sense of humor. Are you like, oh, yeah. did you grow up as like a huge horror person as well as being interested in comedy or is this more of a recent move? Like, like what has your relationship to been to horror like throughout your life? Oh, I was a horror fan uh, before I, I was a comedy person. I um, my sister. Yeah, man. I, I have, I have my sister to, to thank for that. Um, she, you know, she was the one who intro, you know, introduced me to, Freddie and Jason. And that was mainly because, you know, you'd open or you turn on the, um, uh, you turn on the TV on, on a Sunday at two o'clock in the afternoon, it'd be Friday the 13th. And you're, you're, you know, you're, I'm what, seven years old and I'm watching a guy get a spear to the head or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and that, and that was cable, you know? Um, so it was super available. Uh, and I, I loved, I loved every, every second of it. Um, sure. And, you know, Freddy Krueger was such a phenomenon, as you remember, as you know, you couldn't get away from him. There were yeah, toys, he, he, there were he, he became like, he, he's probably the most entertaining pedophile in the history of uh, film. Right? Oh, like, truly. Yeah, like just truly. people, he became like such a cartoonish, I, I'm surprised there wasn't Freddy cereal at some point or some shit. I, well, I, I'm sure there, there, there might've been. I, I remember being, God, I think it was kindergarten. My parents got, 
I wouldn't say reprimanded, but that there was a concern because it was like, you know, your uh, your kindergartner son came in and did a Freddy Krueger impression today. Probably shouldn't be watching that. I think I, I think I like spread my fingers apart and flicked my tongue and said, I'm Freddy sure. Krueger, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and somehow, <laughs> <laughs> somehow uh, my parents didn't get turned in. But hey, that's the 80s. But yeah, uh-huh. I was I was super duper the, the fucking horror fan before anything else. And that has everything to do with you know, um, that era, number one, but number two, I think the, the, the comedy of it all, I love it because Freddie was funny. You know, those movies were almost all of them, all of those films, whether they were, you know, whether intended in their kind of B-moviness or, or not, they all had a sense of humor to them. Um, Fright Night was incredible, yep. super, super scary, but also super funny. Like, my God, The Friend. Um, I mean, there's just on and on. I could, I could, I could continue praising the films of that era. Just, uh, that, that, and I think because they were all funny, it made them all sort of digestible for my, my childish mind. So it wasn't, you know, too nightmarish, too terrible. I mean, I think that, that that's one of the things about horror. Like people talk about, I mean, I get it. Like you don't want to show anything too nightmare inducing to children and, I probably I probably have a little bit of anxiety scarring from when I was a child from sure. some of the th- some of the things that I watched. On the other hand, there is a there's a certain logic of scary films, you know, or or scary stories, let's say, or whatever form yeah. they come in that appeals to kids. They get it. They get that feeling of being yeah, scared. Yeah, yeah. And and honestly totally. for me, part of being a, a parent with my daughter is knowing what the limit is. Like she actually loves it when I chase her and I scare her, and it's up to me to yeah. have the discernment to go and now we stop because we're right yeah, on the edge of yeah. it not being fun anymore. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's what yeah, you got to know totally. is like what I, I always thought I have this story I've told on the podcast many times about seeing uh night on Elm street in like second grade, I think. And it's scarring me and whatever, whatever. And there was this big reveal recently where my mom was like, no, you liked scary stuff long before that. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, you yeah, know, it's like universal cool. horror characters and things. I just didn't, that experience of seeing Nightmare on Elm street, like, fucked my brain so hard <laughs> that I kind of forgot yeah. that I liked the more cartoony stuff prior to that. You know, in fact, right down to watching reruns of uh, dark shadows on, on, uh, you know, yeah. UHF or whatever. So, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to remember, you know, I, I, I think my intro to Freddie was really like dream warriors or even the dream master, sure. which, yeah. was, you know, those were basically, you know, comedy superhero movies. Um, uh, uh, you know, to a degree, or like uh, cartoons. Um, but the first one, the first one, I, and I, I remember absolutely as, as a kid. I mean, they, uh, it it completely fucked me up. Um, yeah. And but I was I was late to the game to that degree. But the, all those movies got funnier and funnier. But the first one, yeah, the first one is truly. I mean, masterpiece. I think I think I think you could argue that the second one is also not funny either. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's got it, it's got its own <laughs> own thing going on there. Uh and I would say not not dissimilar in some ways to Fright Night when it comes to some of the subtext of both movies. Yeah, sure. Uh, sure. Uh, man, I uh what so you're talking about moving you're interested in moving more into horror uh, you know, maybe not leaving comedy behind per se, but moving into something that's no. maybe scarier, more intense. What is the motivation for that? Why move into the more upsetting material? Well, I don't, I, I'm not going to make smile. I'm, I, I'm sure. not interested yeah. in, in anything. I wouldn't even call smile nihilistic at all, but I, I'm not going to make something that's 
I, I'd say out and out. I want something that 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 um, uh, that it's rewatchable uh, that yeah. that people can yeah. continue to put on because those are my favorite types of movies. I want to make something that's as rewatchable as say a Dream Warriors, um, you know, something that has sure that sort of supernatural angle, um, that kind of uh, that frighteningly iconic. Um, uh, villain, which is obviously immense pressure, but um, that has a sense of humor to it. But when the horror, uh, when it comes time to turn on the horror, that it, we're really going for it. And I think that's that's what's so cool about what Jordan Peele did with like us, for example, which I really dug. Was it like, and he and he was one to kind of say, no, 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 us is a horror film because people really wanted Get Out to be a horror film, and it was like it was a certain kind of horror film, but not traditionally horror. Um, I want to lean into the horror. I want to make the horror really legitimately scary, but I do want to make the humor work. That is not going to be easy, yeah. but I think you can do it. I think I agree. I, I, you know, and I think I think Barbarian is like a really fucking cool example of that. Yeah. I love what yeah. Zach Gregor did. It's like and malignant, even you know. Yeah. Um, I, I saw Megan. I laughed harder than I you know screamed in Megan. Although there were some legitimate like jump scares. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but. You know, there's a shit in that movie that works. You know? I, I'm really excited to say, I know, you know, I think I have uh, one of my co-hosts, I think for him, the hype is already kind of souring him, I think, because people are yeah, freaking totally. out so hard on it. But for me, totally. I try not to let the audience response to stuff affect me too much, you know, because I think, yeah, you know, totally. it, it can, it can really, it can really um turn you in a way where, it's difficult to have your own legit opinion because you just go in already sure. being annoyed at, at sure. folks. And and I saw that happen. <laughs> and honestly, in, in some ways people do it to themselves. I think part of the response to us, like I, I, I truly, for me, my taste, I actually really do uh, prefer a lot about get out to us, but I also yeah, think a lot of the yeah. response to us was people who, just wanted another get out and i'm like yeah well, that, that yeah. doesn't that doesn't work like he has to do That's something right. else That's and i think right. a lot of what he did in us was really creative and it really uh showed that he was trying to make horror and for, for me yeah. um what i loved about nope was how many people were confused because they couldn't tell <laughs> what it was about yeah. like well, well it's yeah. not as clear to me that it's about something and i'm like it's really though about something guys. Like, I don't know what you think is going on here, but okay. Um, yeah. I want to I wanna transition a little bit here if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, just because I don't want to like completely wrap up without asking a little bit about your participation on dropout. Like I've, you know, uh-huh, not only yeah. have you been a regular on game changer, but you did a game enough that they made a whole other show based off of a game that you were doing with Brennan and, yeah. uh, and Zach. And so, you know, just curious, I don't know a lot, you know, I know college humor is a thing that exists, right? <laughs> yeah, when I was yeah. in college, college humor was a certain kind of thing. And then I, yeah, yeah. and then I discovered dropout dropout is not the same thing from what I can tell. Correct. And, Correct. and it makes me very happy. And I don't know that college humor ever made me happy this way. And so I just want to know like how you got involved there, what the experience of being on Game Changer was like, being part of like this new show coming out. And 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 like you said, so many people, despite you've done big things, you know, not just the movies that you starred in, the movies that you've directed, the shows that you've been a part of, even doing something like uh what was it, the death of 2021? Like people I yeah, know yeah. watch that who 
would have never watched any of this other stuff that you did, they watch that. So like you've been involved in these big things, and yet I think it's true. A lot of people do know you from Dropout. What is that like, and and how did you get involved in that whole world, which seems very like kind of improv heavy in what they're doing there? Uh, completely. Well, it all started with Sam Reich and I, who we, we met, and his wife actually, Elaine Carroll. We met at summer camp in the year 2000. Holy shit. So we went, yeah, we went to Boston University Theater Institute summer camp, which was so fun, so ridiculous. My, certainly my first sleepaway uh, situation. I was super nervous about it. Ended up just being like an incredible time, an incredible memory. And, you know, Sam and Elaine and I all became pretty tight. And um, I sort of thought I'd never see them again. So Sam ends up, they end up getting together super young, 16, 17 years old. Sam and Sam and Elaine have been together for a long time. And um, Sam ends up moving to New York City where I moved for acting school. And I had been gifted for my graduation, my high school graduation, a camcorder. Um, it was like in one of those, I don't know, what a, a handy cam or something. And uh, Sam and I started making these like digital videos for our camcorder. Sam thought, what if we put up some of these videos up on the internet? And so we, we formed a bit, we formed this sketch group essentially that we called Dutch West. It consisted of Sam and Elaine and, and some other folks. And um, we started just like shooting just for us. You know, someone's grandma died, you got five grand, you'd put it into Dutch West. You know, you, you, do, you do a job, you get a little bit of extra money, you put it in the Dutch West into the sketch group. And so College Humor, which at the time, as, as you know, not, not many people may today know what it once was, was all bro humor. I mean, truly college humor. They yeah, I mean, honestly, the worst of the drawings. worst. The worst of the worst, truly. No prank videos and everything else. Um, and what happened was that the, uh, the founders of College Humor saw the videos that we were putting out into the world, and they said, we want you to do for us what you're doing for yourselves. Would you come be full-time? And so Sam was the full, first full-time member of the group to join College Humor and essentially start the originals department, and I was like the third. Um, so uh, when I just wanted to be an actor and on the streets in New York and do theater and be like, you know, right, I'm dancing the line of poverty and everything else. Eventually I gave in. I was like, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to try out what I what I was worried was going to be a desk job. So college humor was like seven years of my film school making sketch videos with my friends, wow. with essentially wow. my summer camp friends and, and UCB people who I was scared to talk to if I didn't have the diplomatic immunity of like working in a place that could pay them to do a video or whatever the fuck. And eventually it got a little commercial, you know, they, they got bought by IAC. We started actually doing like branded material. The company started changing. It had less of that kind of youthful vibe, but it was still like, as you said, the worst of the worst. It wasn't my favorite type of humor to work in, but I'm very grateful for the experience. And so Sam, eventually, I'm not sure how it went down specifically, but it was an opportunity for college humor to be, bought and i think sam somehow managed to buy the company or convince IAC to go in on it with him and he turned it into the inclusive um essentially inclusive creative soulful hub of humor that it is and i i just he started another fucking original content platform that is succeeding massively where places like Vessel and Super Deluxe and CISO and Quibi have failed. And yeah. it's phenomenal. And yeah. I couldn't tell you why that is, except for the fact that maybe it's very simply, if you pay this X amount of dollars per month, 
you're not going to get ads, you're just going to get content. And um, you're going to weigh in on what you want to see. And it's like all about community. And I think that's, I think that's basically why it's working. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think you've nailed a few reasons it's working. The lack of commercials is great. The knowledge that everyone there while the humor can be some of the, you know, most off the wall, crazy shit, you're never, at least for me, I've never watched any of the new material and thought, oh, gross, I feel uncomfortable. Or, yeah, oh, I yeah. hate that. I hate that person. That person's a jerk off. Like the yeah, people involved are great. Yeah. I mean, we'll finish a, an episode of uh, the, that show where people tell their secrets. I wish I could remember what it's called. The the with and the uh, dirty laundry. Yeah, thank you, thank you. We'll finish yeah. an episode of Dirty Laundry where people are saying some of the most awful shit they've ever done in their yeah. life. Yeah, and and I'll look at my wife and she'll be like, "I wish we were friends with those people." Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah I want to be their friends. Those all seem like great people." I, you know, the same thing with like, I, you know, I don't know what your experience was growing up. For me, though, I was a nerd. There was a type of nerd that was below me that, in order to make myself feel better, I would mock, <laughs> and that nerd yeah, sure. was someone who played. D and D, I mocked them yeah. cruelly and without <laughs> without compassion. And now I watch people play D and D for money on on a fucking show, man. That's crazy <laughs> pants. It makes me feel like a crazy person. But I watch it and I'm crying sometimes. It's so good. It's it's, it's yeah. unbelievable how good that show is. So I just like you know the 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 obviously you know if you if you make an amazing movie and that whatever mm -hmm. that's probably your future more than being on make some noise but i just had to bring it up because it's not just me multiple people i know are like oh you're talking to josh you gotta bring up make some noise man that show's fucking great i'm like i know i'm gonna bring it I up it. it's so good so i, I had to, love it i, I love that i can go thank you i mean i love that i can go and still be like playing with my best friend from summer camp yes made, like doing fucking bizarro comedy with this up and coming superstar spectrum of performers. I don't know how he keeps his, his finger on the pulse of these incredible singers and improvisers. Cause it's, it's not just like Zach no, and Brennan. Yes, and I. It's agreed. Like, I, every time I log on, there's some new like future superstar. The episodes um, where they're like improvising songs, like it's like improvised karaoke, it's, it's out of psychotic, control. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like so better good. than any whose line is it anyway, or at least just as just as good, if not better. Um, yeah. and also what I love is that like you get the spectrum of stuff. Like you could, it looks like it would be PG. It almost has this like Disney sheen to it, but there's dirty laundry. They're saying whatever they want. They're dropping f bombs. It, it and and also there's good people. So when people are just when those those performers are just wearing their hearts and selves on their sleeves, revealing right. themselves or yes. what have you, they are just great people you want to hang out with. To, to your wife's point, there's there's them. there's not a lot of sources for that level of comedy where you yeah. aren't eventually going to feel something gross it just happens and and this well is said. and it's beautiful it's just a beautiful thing okay i want to respect yeah. your time so i want to wrap up i am very appreciative but i want to make sure obviously people are going to know and we've talked about that enough that they know by now on both shows they should check out a wounded fawn they should check out blood relatives i want them to go back if for some weird reason they haven't seen scare me and werewolves within I've plugged <laughs> drop out a million times. Guys, it's like 30 bucks for the year. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, like, let's go. Don't let's order go. pizza one night and have entertainment for 365 days. What's wrong with you? Wow. But I'm sure you have other things coming up or things you want people to check out, social media, all that shit. 
plug away, let people know how they should stay connected to you and what things they should be excited about in your future. Well, um, excitedly, I'm actually off Twitter. I don't know how permanent that is, but I'm permanently off Twitter. It's, I mean, now. I feel like it's going to fucking die, man. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with that yeah, shit. Yeah, not feeling good about it. Wasn't getting good vibes when Elon was like uh, unmuting a bunch of people who their first tweet was, can I say the N-word now? I was like, I'm out of here. Day one. Day one, it was like 4,000 cases of the N-word in one day. It yeah, was I was like, I, I'm I'm good. Um, I don't think I need to support this platform. I, you know, Nothing against anyone who's still on it. I, I, I'm missing my feed and such. But um, yeah, but people can find me at an old-fashioned website, um, joshesmindhouse.com. That's my site. I update it. There's merch. You can get a scare me screenplay. You get t-shirts. You can see pictures. There's bios. There's trailers there's all kinds of shit i try and update it best i can um, when i'm not too busy and then um instagram hive uh tiktok <laughs> you know mastodon um you can find me on all those places all at josh rubin i i i am confused by mastodon but i am on Hive. Me that too. sounds pretty good and i yeah. love i actually love tiktok i am just old enough that when i think about making things on tiktok i'm like I don't know, man. It seems hard. It seems really hard. I love hey, watching oh, oh, TikToks, but I haven't made any effort. Sam Rice is the king of it. He knows how yeah. to make. I don't even know what he's. I think he just like edits videos and then puts them up. He does them separately on the phone. Right. I um, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just do selfie videos. And you don't have to. I mean, I don't think people should feel intimidated. I think it's just you know, at some point, here's the deal. We talked about this in relationship to uh, to uh, our buddy Noah Siegel here. At some point, you have to just stop trying to be cool, right? You just got to be like, I'm done with being cool. So I feel like when Get it comes to TikTok, yeah. yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta put it away. You know, I bought a pair of overalls recently because I was like, I'm, I'm tired of waste. I'm done. I'm done with a waste. I need some Hell unwasted yeah. pants, you yeah, know, I love it. that's, I love that's it. you know, you're getting old, you know, you're getting old. All right. Uh, anything else before we go? Any projects coming up you want to talk about? I've got a graphic novel uh, called oh, Darla. Yeah. I'm releasing this year. Um, I can't say just about what date yet, but my partners sure. at Invader Comics are awesome. And my illustrator, Brianna Tippett, she's amazing. You guys should follow her on Instagram. Brilliant artist, Brie Tippett. Um it's going to be pretty cool. It's kind of like a bit of an homage to Tales from the Crypt, HBO's Tales. It's like it's like a pretty wicked little tale, and I have no idea what people are going to make of it, but um, it was fun to do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, yo, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I really thank hope you. you will come back sometime for like a full episode. We'll just talk about whatever filmmakers you want to talk about, and it'll be great. And you'll actually meet my co-host, who I'm told is much more charming than me anyway. So I appreciate that. Uh, I doubt it. I doubt it, man. Look, <laughs> yeah. look at how you're handling yourself. I would love to uh, Oh, man. Oh, that's great. Okay. Uh, thanks, y'all, for listening. Tell somebody. if We probably said all this stuff during the regular episode. But check out Josh's stuff. And we really appreciate you. And take care, y'all. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Horror Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.